السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا قوا أنفسكم وأهليكم نارا وقودها الناس والحجارة وقودها الناس والحجارة عليها ملائكة غلاظ شداد لا يعصون الله ما أمرهم لا يعصون الله ما أمرهم ويفعلون ما يؤمرون يا أيها الذين كفروا لا تعتذروا اليوم إنما تجزون ما كنتم تعملون يا أيها الذين آمنوا توبوا إلى الله توبة نصوحا صدق الله العظيم وبيجن إن النعيم الله سبحانه وتعالى and uh, we start a new series over here after Ramadan which is going to be the series about family life in Islam and today's talk is going to be about rights in general uh, and in the future talks of next month and the following months we want to particularly target on the relation between husband and wife the relation between parents and children uh, we want to focus on the, the uh, way of finding a suitable and compatible person for marriage uh, thereafter moving on to um, how exactly to lead, lead, lead one's life and to live one's life uh, we will be focusing on women's rights in particular uh, it's going to be a series of lectures women's rights in particular, feminism uh, as well as the rights that Islam has given we will particularly focus on the characteristics of people of how a person is and what you need to see in a person to be compatible in living together with one another these things will come uh, ahead inshallah in the future months the lecture over here inshallah today will last about approximately 70 minutes so we'll just finish just after 9 o'clock inshallah um, to begin with I need to say a few things um, the first thing I need to say is that after hearing this lecture today and hearing any of the lectures in this series I would like to ask each and every person to understand that one thing is to know your rights and another thing is to get your rights okay? unfortunately in this world the rights are clear the Quran Sunnah is very clear but you don't always have people giving rights to the, to the rightly deserved people so one thing is to know your rights and one thing is to get your rights getting your rights if you're a person who has been oppressed if you're a child or a wife or anyone else a family member who's been oppressed after listening to this talk I don't want you to go and to become a, a person who will try and get their rights immediately by confronting the person who has deprived you of your rights you need to, I think every person needs to understand that when you, when you have understood that your rights you have not been given your rights then at that moment you need to understand that there's a way of going about with it you can't just be short tempered go straight to the person and say to them well you know all these years you've been doing this to me all these years I've been in your house and you've been making me do all of these cooking, cleaning, whatever mess in the house looking after your business and now I find out from the mosque that this is, these are my rights and there's going to be war in the, uh, or a little, so you could say, 
uh, a domestic war inside the house. Um, with, same with children as well. I highly, highly advise anyone not to go back with in this manner. We need to be people of intuition. We need to be people of thought. We need to be people of thought before action. Okay? We need to look at the consequences of what will happen later on if we do do what we do. Okay? You can't just, you can't just exercise the rights and just say that I need this right now, you haven't given it to me and you will get your rights. No. There's a pathway to your rights and the, your rights are your goal. To get to your goal you need to understand the best way to get to your goal. And inshallah we will discuss about this inshallah whether it's today or later on. And the beloved Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa the way he taught us to get your rights. Because there can be no person better in teaching us how to get our rights than, than the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Just to give you an example, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa many a times in his life he became upset with people. Sometimes, uh, I mean on one side, if you look at the Prophet sallallahu alaihi there's a Bedouin who comes, and this is, a, this is our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi A Bedouin comes into, into, uh, to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi and he asked the, asked the Prophet sallallahu to give his garment, the very garment that the Prophet sallallahu is wearing. And the Prophet sallallahu says to him that, you know, I can't give you this garment. And then this Bedouin then thrusts the Prophet ﷺ, holds onto his garment, pushes him into a thorny bush. And the Prophet ﷺ is deeply hurt by this, but the Prophet ﷺ does not take revenge, does not admonish this person, does not say anything. All he says is that this is my last one. If I had another one, I would give this one to you right now. On the one side the Prophet ﷺ is doing this. On the other side, the Prophet ﷺ, once he became upset with his wives, and I mean, he'd been upset several times with many people, a lot, lot of the times the Prophet ﷺ would just act as if sometimes as if nothing happened, sometimes the Prophet ﷺ would forgive, sometimes he would give nasiha, and sometimes the Prophet ﷺ, in this case, what the Prophet ﷺ did is he moved away from the residence of his, where his wives were. And he moved away for approximately a whole month. And he just moved away. He did not say anything. But the Prophet ﷺ got his rights. What he wanted, how he wanted his wives to be with him, he, he exactly got that uh, when, he, when he applied that. Now, what I need to say to you is that there are, hundreds, and there are tens of sunnahs. So, don't look at the Prophet ﷺ and say, well, the Prophet ﷺ said this at this spot and this place, so therefore this is going to be the sunnah I will adopt in all places. It's wrong. Because the Prophet ﷺ had a diversity of sunnahs which he applied at the right time and the right place. Sometimes he was suppressed. Sometimes the Prophet ﷺ, in Makkah, stones were thrown at him, they spat at him, Abu Jahlil strangled him, he, he threw cows, uh, a camel's leftovers, camel's mess over the Prophet ﷺ, which Fatima radiallahu anha had to wipe away. He did not say a word. Other times you look at the Prophet ﷺ, he's in, he's in Medina. When the time came to retaliate, you would see that the Prophet ﷺ would not even forgive a, a small thing. That's how, because it's, there's different times for different things. Okay, that's one thing that I, I want everyone to understand that, look, once you know your rights, you just don't go ahead and just say that I'm going to get my rights. The second thing uh, I, need to uh, I need you to understand is that, unfortunately, we are living in a world of oppression. This is the world of oppression. The world of justice is akhirah. The world of justice is the next life. You will not, be, you will not ever, ever see in this world total 100% a beautiful and, and a luxurious life where you will see no oppression. Every person here who is sitting here, all of including myself, we've all got problems. 
Okay? Whether it's social problems, domestic problems, we've got international problems, we've got economic problems, uh, worldly problems, global problems, whatever it is, we've got problems. Okay? And problems are always there. Sometimes they're more and other times they're less. The Messenger came, came to us to teach us what to do in the, in the situation, in the particular situation that you're in. How, to be, how best to tackle the problem that you're in. That's all we need to learn and to, to, to try and do the best in the situation. Now since there are many problems in the world, when you see a person doing something wrong, a very important and very significant thing that each and every one of us needs to understand is you need to separate the evil act from the person. If a person is drinking okay, alcohol and he makes himself drunk, you sh- well, e- any one of us should not ever hate the person. We should hate the act of drinking. We should hate the act of gambling. We should hate the act of disobedience. We should hate the act of ridiculing somebody else. But you do not ever hate a person. There's a lot of people, when they see someone doing something bad, they become angry. And they, and they throw their anger onto the person. When you get personal with someone, and when you show that you, you, you show, or, or your scene, or your demeanor is such that the person who is there, who's been told off, or you're telling him off, he feels that you're attacking him, then you've got a bigger problem here. You've got a greater problem here. The problem then is that some people become defensive. And when they become defensive, then you might not ever be able to get your rights. Ever. Because sometimes people just shut up. They just shut all the barriers. Completely. They don't want to know you. Even if you give them hadith and Quran. Because you hurt them personally, they will say, I don't want to listen to you. And there's been several cases that I've, I've had to deal with myself that this has happened. Very unfortunate. The ultimate disaster of this is divorce. Ultimate disaster of this is that a child runs away from, from the house. Ultimate disaster is the separation, or there's, there's a family living together, but they're always quarreling, they, they never get on with, with one another. I've even come across a case where, for instance, a woman has said, you know, I will never, to her husband, she said, I will never, ever, ever do this thing for you. He wanted her to do something. Until you get my kitchen, you know, a new kitchen, new unit, because there's been quarrels, and quarrels start from small things, they get larger, they get bigger, bigger, until he, he said, okay, I will never get your kitchen done, until you get my thing done. So, I mean, it becomes a vicious circle which people can place, them in, place themselves in. Okay, sometimes it happens with friends, with families, with anyone, it can happen. Okay? The other thing I need to say is that, be the best, okay, as the Prophet says in a hadith, and his words are beautiful, he says, in one hadith, I can't remember the actual context of the hadith, where he says, be the, the better of the two sons of Adam. Be the best one out of the two sons of Adam. Habil and Qabil, or as the Bible says, Ain, uh, Cain and, and Abel, they, they fought together over something. We should mention the Quran as well. But Habil said to Qabil, he said, he said, I will not, I will not, he said, if you stretch your hand out to kill me, uh, I will not stretch my hand out or I will not take my hand out to kill you. This is in chapter number 5, verse number 28. I fear Allah who is the Lord of the world. What I want is, this is Habil saying this, and tabu'a bi ismi wa ismik. 
Now look at, look at, the, look at the beautiful words he uses. Because Habil did not do any wrong. Habil was the one who was wrong. He was jealous. He wanted to, he's the, this is the first murder that's going to take place on the earth. Okay? And Qabil is angry, he's jealous that something of Habil was accepted by Allah and his own uh, sadaqah that he offered to Allah was not accepted. But Habil in admonishing or telling his brother, giving him advice, he says, Inni urid what I want is an tabu'a bi ismi wa ismik. He did not say that I want you to uh, reckon, uh, to admit your fault. He said, I want you to admit my fault and your fault. To see my fault and your... He begins with himself first. Being humble, having a humble approach in solving matters is the best approach. And saying sorry first, and being the one who can put their head down first, is the best place to solve something. If you have two people living together, whether it's husband, wife, parent, child, but one, uh, one of them is arrogant, and the other is humble, you've got fire and water, things can work out because the water will extinguish the fire. But if you've got both of them arrogant, both of them hot-headed, both of them not willing to compromise, then you've got fire and fire. And when you've got fire and fire, all you get is all the, more flame. All you get is eruption. That's what I, and this is the third thing that I need you to understand is that be the best, let us be the best, the better of the two sons of Adam alayhi salatu salam. Just to give in, sometimes give in. Another thing I need you to understand is sometimes it's better to lose the battle and to win the war. And we need to apply this because I, we've ended up with an ummah. I'm really sorry, to, I mean, there, there's no benefit in me really just being sorry over it, but it's, just, it's something which is absolutely, something which hurts you deep inside. To see a whole ummah today, we're full of anger, we're full of rage. We see short-term solving problems, we don't see long-term solving problems. We don't see how we can easily give in sometimes, but win the, eventually win the war. And unfortunately, whether it's, it's a workplace, whether it's a home place, you've got a lot of Muslims outside there, whether it's international, on, on the level of countries with countries. You've got a lot of Muslims outside there that see that, uh, you know, this is, the, this is the problem, this is the solution, finished. It's quick solution. Well, you don't always get quick solutions, and quick solutions are not the best solutions. Okay? One of the reasons why is because um, whatever happens quick in this world, also dies out quickly. For instance, I'll give you an example. Uh, the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the six heavens, uh, seven heavens and seven earths in six days, which in reality was six thousand years, because my teacher taught me this. He said that Allah created the entire seven heavens and the seven earths in six days, meaning six thousand years. And all Allah has to say is kun be and it's just there. Many, many you know, Mufassir say that Allah doesn't have to even say kun even. He just has to have the irada, just the will that this thing will be and it's already there in front of him. He could have, if he wanted to have all of this created in a split second. But Allah chose to do it in 6,000 years. Why? Because it took such a long time to get, to, to be made, it also takes a long time to crumble down and to finish. That's the essence of this world. Things that take a long time to make, it takes a long time to also 
come down to an end. Like human beings, it takes a long time to nourish and nurture them. It takes 10 to 12 years to get a child to his young adulthood. At 10 to 12 years, you need to spend that much time. It only takes one day for a chick to start swimming. It only takes a day or less than a day for a little uh, duck, duckling to, to start swimming. But it takes a human many years to learn that. But once that human is ready, that human is not any, in any comparison with the animals of the jungle. Because it take, took them a short time, it took them a short time to go away again. It will take a long, a long time. And look at his intelligence as well. Nevertheless, we need to look at things that were sometimes just give in, lose, and then win later on. Another thing I need you to understand is that whenever, whenever we do something of changing someone, if you want to change someone, the best way to change someone is if you place Allah in front of you and that person, between you and that person. If you put your own desires between you and that person, whoever you want to change, you'll get your rights off. Then you will find Allah will possibly, I'm not saying He will, but it's possible He will lead you to it. He will lead you to your matter. But if you seek help from Allah first, and you do it for Allah's sake, and you want to change someone, change their bad habits, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you in, in the, the cause that you're in. And a very significant hadith, uh, related to this is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's hadith: "Man abghada, man ahabba lillahi wa abghada lillahi. Whosoever has hatred for the sake of Allah, whosoever loves for the sake of Allah, faqadistakmala iman. Then his iman is complete." The Sahih Hadith of Bukhari. There's, there's more words to the Hadith, but I've, I've shortened it down. You, if you hate someone, you should hate them. Not them actually, like I said, the acts that they're doing, because of Allah. The Prophet ﷺ never became angry in his life for his own desires. And he taught this to his sahabas. He became angry because Allah, he knew Allah detested something, so therefore he became angry. He loved someone, not because he, he loved someone, and we, we all have love in our heart, but it always was for the sake of Allah. So he was always equal in his love. It's very hard, very, very hard to do. What I'm saying here is very hard to do. For you to be equal with all your friends in your love, for you to be equal with all your children in your love, for you to be equal with the people, your co-workers, all of them equally is very, very hard. Because, and that's, but the Prophet managed to do it. And he showed us a great example in, in doing this. And when you do that, then you find everyone loves you. But when you have differences, you like, you prefer one over another, and someone over somebody else, that's when you cause problems. The, the, one of the main reasons why Yusuf salam's brothers wanted to kill him, is because they was, some of us have mentioned this, and my teacher did mention this to me, that it was because Yusuf salam, because he was the youngest, he was the most lovable child. And the other brothers, they had to work. Yusuf salam was never sent out to work. And because of this, the other brothers felt jealous. And because of the jealousy, they wanted to kill him. They left him in the well. But it all came out from a, a sort of imbalance in the love that you have within your own family. And it have, if you see children fighting with one another, if you see one brother doesn't like his sister, and he always thumps the one, or she thumps him one, or the two brothers, they don't get on with one another, it happens a lot. 
one of the causes could be, I'm not saying it is always the cause, it could be because there is no total justice in how the parents see the two children. Like for instance, I mean, once the Prophet ﷺ, he was sitting down and uh, he saw Habis, uh, Akra, I think it was Akra ibn Habis, in front of him. And one of his, his son came along and Akra took his son and he placed him on his thigh. And he kissed him, uh, sorry, he placed him on his thigh. And a daughter came along and Akra placed him, placed, placed her beside him. When the Prophet saw this, he, saw this, he said, مَا عَدَلْتَ بَيْنَهُمَا You have not been just to the, to, to both of your children. Because if you put one on your lap, you're supposed to put the other on your lap. If you kiss one, you're supposed to kiss the other. Especially if, I mean, obviously if it's in front of, of one another. If you give one some sweets, you're supposed to give exactly identical sweets to the other one. If you give a toy to one, you're supposed to give a toy to another. If you show any difference uh, and the jealousy comes inside, then that could cause a rift in the, in the relation between the two children and because of that, later on, it could have a, a greater effect. Anyway, th- there are a few more significant things I have to mention, but let, let's, let's continue with, with uh, the main, uh, other main points that I have to mention in this talk. The first and foremost hadith, hadith that I need to quote to you is, is a hadith uh, of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, sahih hadith, where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi says, "Kullukum ra'in wa kullukum mas'ulun an ra'iyati." Each one of you is a shepherd, and each one of you will be asked about the herd that he he is responsible of. Each one of you is a shepherd, and Allah has given you a herd. And each one of you that is a shepherd and with a herd, Allah will ask you about the herd that you've got. What this means is that a man, this is another hadith of Rasulullah explains this, he says, A man is a shepherd over the herd that he has in his house, meaning his wife, his children are an amana. They are trust to him that he has to now enforce his, 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 his ways and what Allah wants unto them. And he has to look after them. He is responsible. A woman is responsible over a man's house, especially when he's not there. An older brother has the responsibility of looking after the younger ones. A teacher is a ra'i, is one who, who is a shepherd over his or her students. An imam is a shepherd or one who is an overlooker over the community. Each and every one of us has a responsibility. And we need to remember that we will be asked on the Day of Judgment about a responsibility. Now, before I go into further detail, I need to make you, uh, I need to go through a couple of things. One is, I'm going to give you a picture of the general system in Islam. The big picture of a system in Islam. And with each picture I give you, or each point I highlight on, I will give you the exact same uh, the same system in a smaller size in the house. What I mean by this is that we have a Khilafah system. Islam has a beautiful system which is a Khilafah system. Unfortunately today we don't have, have that system implemented in, our, in this world. And all brothers and sisters should know that we should all try and work towards establishing the re-establishing the Khilafah again. Nevertheless, the Khilafah system basically is the Islamic government. The Islamic government operates with one Amir. One person who's in charge of the entire Ummah. 
All people under him are subjugated to him. All people under him will take a pledge, a bay'ah. They will hold hand to hand. If they can't, they will write a letter or they will agree with each, in each province that they, they have given a pledge to him and that they will obey him in all matters. Once this person is in charge, the system runs. All the affairs of the ummah, of the entire community, of the Islamic world are looked after by this one man. But this one man obviously has a shura under him. He will have a, uh, he will have a, a council of people under him who he will consult with. They will have other people under him. He will appoint judges. Okay? He will appoint uh, people in court. He will appoint. He will be the one who will appoint the imams in mosques and so on. It's, it's a beautiful system uh, that is there. Now, Allah has made. Allah will always make. One person, an Amir or a person who is a leader in a town or in a country or over the Ummah and so on. But each and every one of us is also a Khalifa in our own rights. We are each one and every one of us, we are also a Khalif, Khalifa or a leader in our own rights. What I mean by this is you are each and every one of you, especially the people who are men here, who are in charge of the family, Okay. You are the Khalifas or you are the ones who are entrust, you have been entrusted by Allah to look after your own house. And your house can be looked at as the small Khilafah empire you have. The people in that empire are your children, your wife okay, and others that you have inside that household. Okay. Not to say that only men are the Khalifas, women also have the same right. Um, to, to look after the family, in the, especially in the absence of the husband and even when the husband is around. Now in saying this, I need you to understand the basic principles on which the Khilafah is established. Why has Allah made this a Khalifa? What does Khalifa mean? Khalifa means that this person is a vicegerent. This person is a, a person who is in charge. Who will look after the affairs of somebody else? So, who is a Khalifa? You know, we know when we have a Khalifa, like we had, uh, we had Umar radiallahu anhu as a Khalifa in, in early Islam. He was a Khalifa. He was a successor. Khalifa means successor. He is the successor or the, or the person who has been entrusted by Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Abu Bakr radiallahu was a Khalifa. Whose who's Khalifa was he? He was the Khalifa of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The Prophet was a Khalifa also, but he was a Khalifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is the ultimate person who makes all decisions and he has all rights of all matters. In actual fact, you can look at yourself as a Khalifa, you directly are a Khalifa in your house, you've been entrusted by Allah. Because when Allah gives you that child, you have got no possibility at all, you've got no power at all to have a child yourself. Only Allah can give you a child. And even with all of the genetic you know, engineering and having children in cloned and all of that, don't even think that these people have, these children are there. Because when Allah says that I give you a child, you have to look at what Zakaria alayhi salam says in the Quran. When he, asked, when he asked for a child, he did not say, I just want a child. He said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I want such a child that Milladunka waliya, who will be my guardian. Because children sometimes they can be your enemies. Musa salam was an enemy of Fir'aun. Fir'aun loved Musa. He wanted to kill him, but he kept him. Musa salam later on became his enemy. Allah says, لِتَكُونَ لَهُمْ عَدُوًّا وَحَزَنَا In the Quran, these are Allah's words in the Quran. He said, so that Musa salam, oh you Musa, you could become their enemy and you could cause them grief, I gave you to them. 
And this is, this is absolutely outstanding that Allah says, sometimes He gives you children for your grief. That's why Zakaria he said, Yarithuni wa yarithu min ali Ya'qub. Give me a child of Allah who will inherit me and who will inherit the, the, the children of Ya'qub. Waj'alhu rabbi radiyya. Oh no Allah, make him a pleasurable child. A pleasing child. Don't give me a child that will cause me grief. That's what Zakaria was saying. So when, when, we, when you have a child and a child is good, a good child Allah has given you, or a good wife Allah has given you, a good family Allah has given you, Allah gave you that. You must remember that. So Allah is the real owner. You don't own that child because you can't kill anyone. You can't take the life of anyone. Allah is muhyi wa munit. Allah is the one who gives life and Allah is the one who takes life. You can try anything. You can try and kill a person, stab a person, whatever you want to do. You can even try and commit suicide. But when, if Allah has not got His will that you will die, you, will, you can never die. At the same time, you can spend every penny on your body and on your life in trying to do exercise every day and keep yourself healthy. But when Allah wants your lung to burst, it will burst. When Allah wants you to have a heart attack, you will you'll drop smack. You know, you'll, be, you'll be on the, on the floor in a, in a second. You don't have the right. So now when you look at your family, I want you to really look at your own family, each and every one of you. And myself, I will look at my family. When you look at your family, these people have been given to you by Allah. So you don't own them. And this is a very good soothing thing to, to, to think of when you lose a family member. Whenever you lose someone in your family, just think, Allah gave me this person as anana, as a trust, and Allah has taken this person away as a away from me. He gave this person to me for a little while. You, you have no right of keeping that, that person for, for, and you can't keep that person as long as you like. But Allah gave you for that certain moment and Allah took it away. You won't feel like that as thinking, if you think, oh my God, my mum has died. Why did it happen to me? Why couldn't it happen to somebody else? Why does this have to happen? Why am I suffering for? My baby brother has died or my, my child has died. If you take it personally that it was yours, your belonging, then you will be very hurt. But if you feel that it was Allah SWT, he's, 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 the owner, he's the owner, and He's given to you, He's taken it away, then you will not feel hurt. Okay, now I'm saying that the Khalifa, the ultimate Khalifa in the Khilafa system, He has been, he, he is not the one who has got this entire Ummah under Him. Allah has made Him the owner of this. The same way you as a father or a mother, you're not the one who owns Him. Allah has made you the owner. And you need to think very carefully here because you've been entrusted. When, if I give you 500 pounds and I say, can you please look after this? Or I'll give you a mobile phone or something to look after it. If you lose it, or if you spend it without me, tell it, without me being, uh, giving you permission to spend it, then you've got to answer back to me. You've got to give it back to me. You owe me something. Especially if I'm going to be a person who you've got no way of beating or competing with, then, then you, you've got a serious problem there. The second thing I need you to um, look at is um, Allah has given the guidelines of a Khalifa to follow. He is the one who gives the guidelines. And a Khalifa who is entrusted of a whole Ummah has to follow the guidelines of Allah. Then he, then he is fulfilling his duty. The same way you in your house when you want to do something you have to follow Allah's rules and his messenger's rules. You can't make up your own rules. You're not a God on a throne. You're not a person with his own rights. And um, just to quote you an ayah, is, uh, an ayah of the Holy Quran is that, إِنِ الْحُكْمُ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ All authority belongs to Allah. Another ayah I want to quote to you is, 
that Allah is the best of people who judge, who judges, and who gives you a, 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 a way of dealing with people. Woman ahsanu min Allahi hukman Who can be better than Allah subhanahu wa taala in doing this? And sometimes you might feel that why is Allah? Why has Allah said sent this? You might think why? Especially, I'll give you an example. For instance, miras inheritance. Okay, uh, and I need to touch on this point if I do get the time. Inheritance. When, when somebody dies and they've left some wealth behind and he has to go in his legacy to his family members, Islam has not said that your children will get all equal share and your, your, your wife will get an equal proportion and that's it. Everyone will get, like the five members of the family, each one will take a fifth away. Islam hasn't said that. Islam has said, The son... When he gets a portion, he will get twice the portion of what one daughter will get. Twice the amount of what one daughter will get. Sometimes a wife will go away with a whole quarter. Sometimes she will go with an eighth. Sometimes she will go with more or less. But all of this Allah says in the Holy Quran when he describes it, he says, لَا تَدْرُونَ أَيُّهُمْ أَقْرَبُ لَكُمْ You do not know who is most closest to you in benefiting you. What this means is, that while I'm giving you, while I'm giving a, a son more of a portion, uh, of a portion is because he has great responsibility. And I think we, when I explain this to you, you need to understand it as a whole. Please don't take part of what I say and just go away with it and say, that's enough for me. Okay? What I mean by this is that there's going to be certain things I'm going to say that you might not like. Okay? Men, men as well as women, children as well as parents. I'm going to say certain things which you might not like because our system that we're living our lives in is different from what Islam wants. For instance, Islam says that a woman should have her own right to keep her own money. She should have her own right to have her own money. You know, it shouldn't be the case that the husband should always say that all your money is mine, I will spend it how I like. Islam has, is the first religion on this earth to give the right to a woman to own a property. The first and foremost religion in this, in this world. And men will not like this. The, the same way, you know, there's going to be things that people will not like. But why has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala given this? Why has Allah said, Allah says, La You don't know. I'm the one who's in charge. I will tell you what to do. If you follow it, you'll be okay. If you don't follow it, there's going to be problems. And that's what we see in, in, our, in our system today. Um, moving on. Now, the first thing I said about the Khalifa is that he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's not the real owner, that Allah is the owner. The second thing is that he has to follow the guidelines of Allah. The third thing I need to say to you is that whatever the Khalifa will do will remain in the authority, will remain in the limits of Allah. He can't go beyond the limits of Allah. And there's an ayah of the Quran that says, وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ Whatever you will, it will be only because Allah has willed for you. Why I'm saying this is, is that when you're in your house and you're looking after your family members, sometimes you'll find that you're trying to do certain things but it's being redirected towards another way. It's gone out of your hand. Ali radiallahu anhu says, عَرَفْتُ رَبِّي Hawazim. How I recognize my Lord and how I really truly got to know who my Lord is, is when He broke my own goals. When He broke what I tried to do. You make the intention of doing something and you try to get, you have everything perfect in place. But suddenly something goes wrong. A person can't turn up in a meeting. A family member has become ill. Something else has happened. You've, something else has happened to you. And things just go haywire or they go off track. When they go off track, you need to remember that sometimes Allah is behind this. Sometimes He will do it for the better of you.
You might not understand and you need to then give up. If something happens, there's a beautiful hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ says, and I think this, this is very relevant to our topic here. He says, الْمُؤْمِنُ الْقَوِيُّ خَيْرٌ وَأَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِ الضَّعِيفِ A believer that is strong is more beloved in the sight of Allah and more better in the sight of Allah than a weak believer. Whether it's strength in physically strength or whether it's spiritually strength, a weak, uh, a strong believer, whether it's physically or spiritually, is better than a weak one. Okay, I want you to think of your families now. Who's weak and who's strong? Okay. But then the Prophet says, وَفِي كُلٍ خَيْرٍ but even in the weak one, whether he's weak or whether he's strong, there is good lying in each and every one of, one of them. وفي كل خير. Then the Prophet says, احرص على ما ينفعك ولا تعجز. Be covetous and be one who is yearning to do that which will benefit you. Okay, not what other people are doing always. Okay, that which will benefit you. Be covetous, try and be greedy to do that. Wala tajiz, don't fail. Don't fail yourself. Don't don't have inability coming over you, overcoming you. And then the beautiful part of the hadith is the Prophet says that if something happens wrong in you trying to do the best for yourself or whatever you're doing, if something comes in the way and you're unable to do something and something وَإِنْ أَصَابَكَ شَيْءٌ an affliction has come about لَا تَقُلْ لَوْ أَنِّي فَعَلْتُ كَذَا كَانَ كَذَا don't say that oh had I only done that had I only not gone in that place that wouldn't have happened had I only not done that then that wouldn't have happened had I only told him in the right time had I only, had I only this happened don't do this فَإِنَّ لَوْ تَفْتَحُ حَمَلَ الشَّيْطَانِ because when you use low, meaning when you use if, if, or if only this and if only that, this will open the doorways of shaitan. This will be the door, because then shaitan will cause doubt in your heart. And he'll say, oh, if only this, if only that. And you start to blame yourself in a wrong way. You're supposed to learn, learn from your past. Yes, that's fine. But you're not supposed to blame yourself in a way that, in a place where you never had control over. The Prophet says, وَلَكِنْ قُلْ قَدَّرَ اللَّهُ مَا شَاءُ But say this, Say Allah has decreed what He has decreed. Whatever has happened, Allah decreed that. It was His business. And carry on with your life. A beautiful hadith that is relevant to us. Sometimes, you know, you're trying to change things in your house, you're trying to change things with your family, and it doesn't go about the right way you want. But at that time, sometimes just think that Allah, maybe He has got something better that I don't know. Because Allah says in the Holy Quran, Asa and Takrahu Shay'an wa huwa Sometimes you dislike something. And Allah says in the Quran, that could be good for you. Sometimes you love something, you want something. But it's bad for you. There's evil in it for you. So we don't know. Only Allah subhanahu wa has the ultimate knowledge. The final thing I need to say, the fourth, fourth uh, principle which the Khalifa and which each and every one of us is based on is that we have to fulfill God's intentions. And we should not fulfill our intentions. If you want a good family, if you want a good home, you should remember that the, that the ultimate goal of yours is to please Allah. You don't have a luxury life because you like luxury. And I'm not saying luxury is haram in Islam. You can have, you can spend millions on yourself as long as you give your zakah 
and as long as you look after the poor people, as long as you're not you know, miser, that's fine. Okay? There, there are millionaires in the, amongst the Sahabas. Rasman was, was a millionaire okay, amongst the Sahabas. There's nothing wrong with being a millionaire. But if you try to have a good family because of your own self and your egoistic, egoistic desires, then you must remember that because Allah is not the ultimate goal of yours, you will never gain satisfaction. Because Allah says in the Holy Quran, Allah bidikrillahi tatma innul kulub. If you want total satisfaction, remember that total satisfaction comes with my remembrance. Anyway, these four principles, uh, just to give you an ayah on the fourth principle, Allah says in the Holy Quran, Wasbir wama sabruka illa billah. Have patience, and your patience shouldn't be for anyone else except for Allah. Even when you're holding and restraining yourself, it shouldn't be because you're angry, you're upset, you prove your rights, you show them what you're made of. It shouldn't be for this. It should be because I'm patient because Allah wants me to be patient. That's why you're patient. And that's when you will see things, things happen. If any one of these four principles is broken, if the Khalifa of a country, of an Ummah, breaks one of these principles, then he loses the right to be a Khalifa. If he goes against the will, if, if he either feels that he's the owner, if he goes above the limits that Allah has put around him, if he does not follow the guidelines of Allah, if he has an intention of himself besides Allah's intention, then he is breaking, is violating the very essence of why Allah has put him in charge. And the same goes for each one, every one of us. If you're in your house, and you think that you make your own rules, you make your own ways, and you, you leave Allah aside, then don't blame anyone but yourself when things go wrong. There's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and there are many hadith, but one of the ones that has come to mind is the hadith where the Prophet sallallahu has told one of the Sahabas, I think it was Amr, Amr ibn Naas, radiallahu anhu. He said, Messenger of Allah, I want to become a leader. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi said, In u'tita min ghayri mas'ala, if you are given this. Imara, meaning if you're given leadership without asking for it, then Allah will help you in your cause. But if you're given leadership because you've asked for it and you want it, then Allah will leave you with your leadership and He won't help you. Okay? We need to understand that Allah is the one who is in charge. Moving on now, I'm going to focus on certain um, rights. Okay? Um, and as I go through this right, I want you to contemplate. These are going to be general things I'm mentioning today. Later on, inshallah, in the future months, I will go into specific details. I need to mention general things today because we need to get a broader picture of the whole entire uh, the, the talk that I'm giving you. Um, one of the rights, one of the main rights that a, a government needs to fulfill, okay, whether there is someone in charge or not, these are basic necessities, is that there should be no oppression. Of anyone, whether he's whether the weak person, whether the strong, but there should be no oppression. There should be honouring the honouring people in general. Okay, there should be no harming. There should, people shouldn't harm one another. Um, hungry should be fed. The naked should be clothed. The disease should be treated. These are basic things. Even if there's not a leader, you need to do. And we need to understand that even if you're out of supervision of your husband or anyone else. Okay. Or even without without a family, you need to understand that these rights need to be kept. Okay, you can't you can't go beyond these rights. Now, to get into more more details of this, we need to. One of the first things I need to say is that respect for the chastity of women. Okay, a lot of the times we find that the weak ones get oppressed. 
someone who's weak like a child, who's still young. People play around. People sometimes, they abuse the rights of others. Sometimes in women's cases, the abuse, the chastity of women is violated. Or sometimes you find that uh, a person who wants their rights does not get it. We, want to, we need to understand that in particular, the weak ones, the Prophet ﷺ came to give the rights of the weak ones. He came to remove oppression. And if you're a person who likes to receive rights, then you need to understand that that other person is as desperate as you to receive rights. If you don't like someone swearing at you, you should not swear at anyone else. If you don't like being picked on, being defamed in society, then you should not defame anyone else. If you're a person who does not like to be bullied, then don't bully somebody else. And it's a clear hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. لا يؤمن أحدكم None of you will truly believe حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. Okay? And according to the consensus of ulama, according to the all, all ulama have agreed that this hadith, and Imam Nawawi has mentioned this in his sharah, Imam Nawawi has said that this hadith, the brotherhood in this is the brotherhood of humanity. It is not, this hadith does not mean that none of you, none of you Muslims truly believe until you love for your Muslim brother what you love for yourself. It's not the meaning of the hadith. The meaning of the hadith is none of you humans, okay, or none of you Muslims will truly ever believe until you love for your, your brother in humanity. Like your Jewish brother, your Christian brother, your Hindu brother. That's humanity, so humanity what you love for yourself. Because Islam will only prevail when we show kindness to others. We don't have an autocrat religion, uh, you know, one religion that has all the rights in the world and we run everything. It's, that's not that. We need to show love and affection to others. And if, if the Prophet meant by this that we should love for our brother in humanity what we love in ourselves, what about your own real brother? What about your real father? What about your real mother? What about your real sister? How much love should we have for them? The next thing, um, the third one I want to move on to is the right of a basic standard of life. In any government you have to have the right, the government or the Khalif has to provide the right of a basic standard of life for his people. The same way each family, the person who is in charge of the family needs to provide the, at least the basic standard of life. And I need to just point out that um, the Quran has, has, has pointed out that there will be differences in families. We all know that. And the Quran says, عَلَى الْمُوسِعِ قَدَرُهُ وَعَلَى الْمُقْتِرِ قَدَرُهُ There will be rich people amongst us and there will be poor people amongst us. If you want to check this ayah, please check uh, Surah Al-Talaq, 65th, uh, 65th Surah of the Holy Quran, 7th verse of that Surah. The person who is rich needs to spend out of his richness. If you are of a good standard of living, then your family under you need to be of a good standard of living. If you are poor, then, and, and you can't afford things, then your family should understand your position and not ask too much from you. There needs to be a two-way, it's a two-way system, it's not a one-way system here. It's not just a man who's in charge and that everything, he will take the brunt of everything. And at the same time, it's, it's, it's not the family that ha- will always suffer. It needs to be a two-way system. There needs to be understanding. If you're rich, spend out of your richness. You know, you have problems when you have a rich father or a rich husband and he wants to keep all the money to himself. Well, that is wrong because you're going against the Quran. Allah says, 
Whatever expansion a rich person has, spend from your richness. And if, you, if you've been restricted, and sometimes you have poor people, uh, uh, the guy, he, he can't, you know, he's trying to just about live, trying to just about pay off his bills, and then he has his wife and his children demanding this, demanding that, she wants a, a new set every time she goes to a party, she wants uh, jewelry, she, uh, his children want console games, they want this, they want that, one after the other, they want to buy expensive shoes. And there comes a point when the man will break. There comes a point when the man will just have enough. Okay, and he can't, he can't uh, continue. There needs to be an understanding between the two. If he's rich, fine. Let him not be miser. If he's poor, let the family not ask him for too much. Next one, the fourth one is the right of an individual, of, of individual freedom. We need to understand that um, in a, in a global, on a global level, sometimes governments can enslave people. They can have a system of slavery. They can bring people in, take away their rights of freedom, and make them work for the rest of their lives. Okay? Now, in talking about this, I will give you a brief uh, commentary about slavery, because this, this is one of the points where Islam is attacked a lot, because we've had a history where slavery has been part of our system. And it's part of our fiqh as well, it's part of our law. Before I go into that, I need to just to say here that there is a modern slavery and in some ways it's worse than the real slavery. Sometimes it is worse than that. What I mean by modern slavery is sometimes a woman can be a slave in the house. Sometimes a child can be a slave in the house. Sometimes even a man can be a slave in the house. It depends. In the majority of the cases the weak ones that become enslaved in the house. We need to understand that please Islam is a religion that has given women the rights and children the rights of freedom. But I'm not saying there's so much freedom that we, we now let them do whatever they want. No. Islam is the perfect religion. It's the religion that has, as the Prophet ﷺ has said, خَيْرُ umuri awsatuha. The best of matters is that which is in the middle. Islam does not have anything that is on, the, on one side of the spectrum. It's too extreme. On one side it's too excessive. Or the other extreme of being too lenient. Islam is not that. Islam is exactly in the middle. Uh, in the middle, it gives you the right to have freedom as well as keeping you within limits. You have to have limits. You can't have total freedom even in the West. No one in the West has total freedom. If a woman has total freedom of doing whatever she wants, then tell me why can't she walk in the middle of Oxford Street without anything on? She can't. Even the country, this country does not allow that. America will not allow that. Okay? You can't just walk in the high street and do what you want. If everyone has the right to do whatever they want, why can't you just suddenly just feel like killing someone or killing yourself? The society doesn't allow that because once you go towards those limits, you're affecting yourself, you're affecting others. You don't have the right to do anything. You don't have total freedom. No one has total freedom. Even the freedom of speech. No one has the total freedom of speech. We might say that the West allows it. We might say certain governments allow it, but you don't have total freedom of speech. You can't say whatever you want, wherever you want. You can't. You're limited. In every single place, you're limited. The same way Islam has given freedom to a child. Okay? Has given freedom to a woman. Has given freedom to a man. But at the same time, it has set limits around as well. Okay? So I don't want uh, you know, a, a woman to go home 
uh, and say that I've got the right to do anything I want. At the same time, she, she shouldn't be restricted in the house only. Keeping a house, yeah, keeping a woman inside the house, away from education, away from a, of a basic standard of education, away from going. I mean, this this happens, okay? Uh, I'm going to try, and in this series of lectures, I'm going to try and focus on a variety of families because a lot of people have contacted me over the many years uh, that I've, I've been doing this. A lot of people have contacted me and. There's been so many problems. If you want to just get a taste of problems, just phone the Sharia Council in London. They have so many calls a day of domestic violence, of children wanting to know what to do. Just, just, just phone people who are involved in this. And I'm sorry to say, but, but I will try and, try and cover many families, okay? Keeping a woman inside the house, not letting her even speak to her friends. Or when she speaks to her friends, she can't go out with her friends. Okay? But on the other side, some, the other wrong thing is letting her go out every time, any time, any time of the night. Okay? Being with whoever she wants, that's wrong as well. Right? But what I'm talking about primarily is not letting her go out at all, depriving her of success. You know what happens to a person when he's in prison? Um, let's talk about real prison first. Here, some people go mental, some people lose some people get depressed and they have to go through either medication to get themselves out of the depression or they will, they will just be full of hatred and anger. Okay? That happens in a real prison. Well, what about a woman who has to stay 24-7 inside a kitchen? Okay? You might not get it in one year, in two years, in three years, but in 10 years or 20 years, 30 years, when that woman takes her tongue out and the only thing she can do is talk ill about her husband okay, and about what's happened to her life that husband shouldn't complain to anyone else and shouldn't point at anyone else except for him the same as children as well you find eventually, you know, children there's a beautiful hadith of the Prophet just to give you of how we should be with children okay um, and he's saying this, I'm going to give you um, although I'll give you more detail later on, I just need to touch on the tip of the iceberg right now. The, 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 it's, it's a hadith and some say it's only, an, it's only the quotation of Ali radiallahu anhu. Definitely Ali radiallahu anhu stated this, but, uh, and some doubt the Prophet said this, but others say no, it is actually, it, it comes from the Prophet himself. The Prophet says that with your children, he says, Play with them for seven years. For the first seven, of year of their, seven years of their life, play with them. And then he says, the next seven years, give, be authoritative over them. Okay, that's when they need to be controlled. Because if you look at children when they're below seven, they're in a playful mood. You try and teach them something, they'll probably crawl over your back. They'll probably run around. They'll probably lose their concentration very easily. A child between 7 and 14, that's when his concentration is fully there. But at that time, if you're bombarding him with PlayStation games, and if you're letting him do whatever he wants, okay, and be the same person he was when he was below 7, and have no authority over him at all, or if you're in the extreme case, and it's a very, I think, very bad sort of uh, a case that, that is in most families, which is that the parent or the father especially is not there to be with the child from 7 to 14. If you're not there with your child from 7 to 14 and your child then goes beyond the limits of Allah and his messenger or your own limits, then blame yourself. Don't blame anyone else. Because it's a crucial time to be with your children. Okay? 
Be authoritative over them, but being in authority doesn't mean that you run around behind them with a stick. Okay? We'll, we'll come to that later on. And then the Prophet says that from 14 to 20, 21, or, or Ali عنه, he says that for the next seven years following from 14 to 21, you need to have two things. You need to still be a father figure, yet you need to have musadaqa. You need to be friendly with them. Because they're young adults. You can't have a 15, 16 year old and say, oh, sit down, do what I say. It's difficult, okay? It's really difficult to do that. If you, if you, if you are able to do that, then he's going to obey you because it's, it's of, maybe he's fearful of, of what you're going to do, okay? But in saying this, that you need to be friendly with them, does not mean that they should do whatever they want. Again, there's two things here. You have authority over them, same time you need to be a bit friendly with them. And then from 21 onwards it's a different game. With women, okay, with women you're playing a different game. You're playing, it's a total different game. They're not children, they're adults. Okay, especially your wives, I'm saying. With husbands as well. It's a different game. They're adults. With women, the Prophet ﷺ has said, and this is in no way to defame a woman. There's no way of defaming a woman. But the Prophet ﷺ has given a beautiful example and we need to look at the wisdom behind this example and not to take the example metaphorically in the wrong way. Okay? He has said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said in a Sahih Hadith of Muslim, he said, Al-Mar'atu khuliqat min abdila. A woman has been created from the rib of a man. Meaning that Hawa alayhi salam, the wife of Adam alayhi salam, was created from the rib of Adam alayhi salam. Wa inna, and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then says that, uh, the, the, the one, the, the ribs, the most crooked rib that you have is the a'laha, the one that is وَإِنَّ أَعْوَجَهَا أَعْلَاهَا أَلْكُمْ خَالَ عَلَيْهِ says that the most crooked rib is the one that is um, on top, the top of the chest, okay, the, the top rib that is there. And she has been basically created from that. The Prophet advises, okay, and we need to look at the true wisdom of this. He says that إِنْ ذَهَبْتَ أَنْ تُقِيمَ كَثَرْتَ if you try to straighten the rib, you'll break it. وَإِن تَرَكْتَهُ لَمْ يَزَلْ And if you leave the rib, then it will remain crooked. Or it will remain bent. Okay? So you're in a very difficult position here with, with women. If you try to straighten them too much, you break them, meaning that you fall out with them. If you leave them alone, then they'll stay as they are. And the Prophet ﷺ, and he says, I need to give you tashib because I, I don't want any woman to feel that they've been defamed in the Sharia or so on. The wisdom behind this is, and I think the beautiful wisdom behind it is that, look, he's given you two, the Prophet has given you two things. You can either try and straighten it, or you can leave it in its original position. Okay? The wisdom behind this is that, most of the times, okay, and many a times, I'm not saying always, Okay? Many a times some, it's better to compromise with women, to leave them. And in saying this, I don't want please, I don't want women to go home and say, don't turn me off again because I'm just a crooked rib and that I'm not going to budge, I'm not going to do anything. And the Prophet said that I, I'm like this and just leave me alone. What I mean is that the, the, the husband is in a difficult position 
and the nature of women sometimes, okay, I'm not saying all women are like this, but from another hadith, a sahih hadith of Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ has given an explanation of how women sort of go about and how they think. Okay, there will be a specific topic about women later on, but just to t- touch the tip of the iceberg. If you look at the Prophet ﷺ, how many times he has cried? How many times has he told off his women? Can anyone tell me who's cried? How many times has the Prophet actually told off a wife of his? Okay, because he had 11 wives, 9 of which were alive at the time of his death. Can any one of you have tell me how many times the Prophet actually tell off? I mean, it's, it's a difficult thing, okay? And I'm putting myself in the spot because my wife is listening to this. But how many times did the Prophet tell, tell um, his wives off? Can anyone tell me? Any, any amount? Zero. Thank you. Tell me. Yes, tell me. Right now, telling them off. But if you look, if what I mean, what I, I think I should rephrase my question. What I, I don't mean in the Prophet I don't mean the Prophet correcting his wives. There's a way he corrected his wives. There's only one time he actually left them. He left them in their homes and he just walked away. That's the one I said in the beginning of the talk. But any time the Prophet ever corrected them, it was through a moment that he, he found with them that he could tell them easily that they will accept his views and in a very diplomatic way as well. He, the most diplomatic the Prophet has ever been is most probably with his wives. Okay? And uh, it's, it's actually a miracle that the Prophet's wives, my teacher said this to me, that amongst the miracles of the Prophet is a miracle that his wives never complained about him. Every man every man's wife has a complaint about him because she's the closest person to him she knows all his faults she knows what he does in his private life as well as his public life and if you want to know anything about a man more than anyone else you just call his wife and just say you know can you tell me a bit about your husband and she'll be full she can write a book about him okay but about the Prophet his wives had nothing more to say about him than good the good goodness now if you look I'll just give you one example in Surah Al-Tahreem the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, his his wives. I mean, they were humans. At the end, uh, end of the day, they were humans. Okay, they did have jealousy. It's not that they were living, you know, with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, with other women in the same house, and that they did not ever have a problem with one another. Because one one thing you had is that they were dif- they were different in ages. Okay, like you had Aisha and Hafsa radhiyallahu anhuma who were young, and then you had other uh, ummahatum and other mothers of ours who were slightly, who were older, some of them even, you know, they, they were Ajus. They, they had come into their very old age. So you have the you have both of these under one man, under the Prophet Now to have that difference in age, and the second thing is that each one wants to be known as the most beloved to her husband. It's, it's, it's fitra, it's nature, and especially in the Prophet's case, where he's the Prophet, each one of them is trying to compete and trying to be the best, okay, with the Prophet So, what happens is that 
One of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the Prophet I think it was Zainab radiallahu anha. I'm not quite sure, but I think it was Zainab radiallahu anha. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam started to uh, have a, a daily routine of going to her after asr and and having something sweet in her house, which was honey with something else uh, in her house. And the Prophet would, would eat that and the other wives, especially Hafsa and Aisha radiallahu anhumah, they became you know, jealous, naturally they become jealous of this. Not to say that, they, you know, jealousy, you can look at, you can split jealousy into two categories. One jealousy is that you become jealous and you cause harm. And the other jealousy is that you're jealous but you do things within the sharia. Okay, like you try to compete in a good sense, not to hurt anyone or not to deprive anyone of anything. Um, what Aisha radiallahu anha and Hasta they planned together, they said that when the Prophet comes to say that he, his breath is smelling of something which he has just eaten. Okay? So that he will then stop going to that other wife's house. And they did this, they plotted this, and they said this to the Prophet and the Prophet then said, Wallahi, he said, by Allah I will not, I will not eat that thing again. Okay, whatever they were making sweet for the Prophet The ayahs came down straight away of Surah Al-Tahreem, the 66th chapter of the Holy Quran. Ya ayyuhan nabi, O Prophet, lima tuharrimu ma ahallallahu lak. Why are you making something prohibited for, for yourself with that which Allah has made halal for you? Tabtari mardata azwajik. Do you really want to please your wives? What you really want to do is you want to please your wives. Wallahu ghafoorur rahim. And see, in the Prophet saying that, he wanted to keep, no, he wanted to keep them together. He, wanted to keep, he, didn't want, he didn't want them to split up, he didn't want them to start to quarrel or anything. Then what happened is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, okay, he revealed the case. That your wives, two of your wives, plotted this and they did this when you, know, when you had gone to, the, to another wife's, uh, wife's house. When the Prophet had, now look at the diplomatic way the Prophet deals with this. He didn't call both of them, I mean what a lot of us would probably do in this case is call all the wives together or if we ever had the permission to get married again, okay, let's not go into that department. But if, um, if it was the case, we'd probably call a number of people together and we'd probably deal with it in front of everyone. But the Prophet was so diplomatic that he only called one of the two. And even when he called one of the two, it was, it was all private, it was all behind curtains and the Prophet did not reveal everything. Maybe if he had revealed everything, she would have probably been distressed or upset. The Prophet ﷺ, he revealed part of it and he kept some part of his secret. He said that, you, have you been saying this and so on? And he then, in the end, he, he dealt with the matter. Now what I want to get to is that, if you look at the way the Prophet ﷺ dealt with this, if you get the time to look in the tafsir of this, if you look at how the Prophet dealt with this, with his wives he was different from anyone else. Because he had to be ever so diplomatic with his wives. Ever so diplomatic with his wives. And whenever he had to, I think most probably, okay, a lot of them are not possibly recorded. But most of the times when the Prophet told his wives of how to be and what to do, it was always in privacy and it was always one to one. And it was always in the best of diplomatic ways the Prophet dealt with this. Okay? Not that I want to say that the man should not you know, control the affairs and he should not do something about something that the wife is wrong, but in the same time it should be done in a nice way. And I think uh, a good thing that I can mention here is that... Um, a good thing I think I've mentioned here is that with children and with women, or with anyone else you want to control, especially with women and children, 
there's two things one is having having your enforcement and trying to change them at the same time easing off what I mean by this is if you want to keep yourself warm in any house okay, I'll just give you a typical example if you want to keep yourself warm in any place if you have the heaters on and you have every single place where there can be any ventilation switched off or closed off, shut off then you will find that it will cause dampness in your own house it will start, the paint will start slowly peeling off or you will have uh, mold starting to grow in that place okay? any place where the to- total ventilation has been shut off you have problems at the same time, if you have all ventilation open, like you have a window open, full open, it's a winter day and you've got the heaters on, there's no, there's no point of having the heaters on. You need to balance the two things together. You need to have the heaters on, but you need to have the ventilation so that the air circulates. And there's fresh air coming in, okay, and there's that air that has been recycled going out. Right? And you've got the heat coming inside as well. With women and children, it's the same thing. And I think this, this goes back to the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that if you try and straighten them, you'll break them. And if you leave them, they'll remain as they are. Meaning that you're in a very difficult situation. You need two things. You need to do what you do, but you need to do very carefully and not too much. Move the rib, but don't try and straighten it. Don't try and leave it as well. Just move it as much as you want. But be, be flexible. What I mean by this is, when you tell someone off, like especially uh, uh, if you have to tell, I'm not saying it's haram to tell a woman or a wife off or a child off, okay? I'm not saying, but there should be, there's a sunnah should be applied that you should do within limits. You should not go over the top or you should not exaggerate in what you're saying. When you do tell someone off or when you try and change someone, you need to give, let them have space to breathe. Let them also bring things out. Don't have a one-way system where you just uh, tell the person off and they have nothing to say, nothing to talk about and they never ever win anything over you. Let them win one over you sometimes. Like I said in the beginning of the talk, lose battles, win the war. Okay? Sometimes you tell it or sometimes you want to say something to your wife or your children. Okay? Sometimes tell them, hear, hear their point of view as well. Let them say, even if they get upset, leave them. Okay? Don't try, if they're upset, if they try and walk away, if they become disobedient, the minute you see that happening with your wife or your children or with anyone else you're telling back off. You back off. Leave them. Let them calm down. Messenger Wasallam has given a beautiful hadith when we are angry. The first and foremost thing the Prophet says, before anything else is cool yourself down. If he said, if you're standing, you sit. If you're sitting, you should lie down. If you're still lying down and you're still angry, then you should try and go and do wudu. Although it's cold, try and cool yourself off. Even if you have to say something, you know when people are angry, just leave them. Separate them, put them aside. Even if they want to go out in their bedroom and they want to be there, just let them cool off. Give them, give them something to... This is basically you opening the ventilation for them now. Let them breathe, let them cool off. Find the best moment to talk to them and then talk to them. And then when you talk to them again, again, press your rights. Tell them that they've been wrong and so on in a nice manner. In a nice manner, next time you'll find they'll be a bit more easy on you. And you should be a bit more easy on them. Okay? If you see that either you or the other person, whoever's admonished, whoever's on the, either the person who's been told over, the person who's telling off, either person gets angry or loses temper, back off. Okay? You need to have this pressure. Apply the heat, let the ventilation out. Apply bottom. Don't leave the ventilation closed and don't stop the heater. Otherwise you'll be left cold or you'll be left too hot. So you need to balance this. And it's hard to get. Okay? And every person is different. Some people they're more hot-headed than others. 
Some, some children are more hard-headed than others. Some children need to be taught in a nice manner. And one child I was teaching, um, it took me two years. Two years for him to understand that whenever he gets upset, because he, was, he had a quick fuse, a child that I teach. Okay? He had a quick fuse, anything that went wrong, he became angry almost within, within seconds. And I, it took me about two whole years to make him realize that, look, when you're, when you're um, angry, then you need to calm down. I'm going to stop here. I've just, re- just reached the fourth level um, of rights in general. Next month, inshallah, we will continue. Most probably it's going to be the last Saturday of um, January. The last Saturday of January, approximately 7.30. If Isha is still 7.30, then we'll have 7.30 again, inshallah, in this masjid. Um, and then we'll, we will also tap on other rights and other points as well, inshallah. Jazakumullah wa alhamdulillah.